Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. Welcome, I'm your host, Clint Davis. This is the Asking Why podcast, and this is episode 73 um, we've been off for a couple of weeks, and we were supposed to have a guest, but we had to reschedule them because they had some sickness. So <clears throat> I decided I'm just going to talk about what I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, I'm going to probably be all over the place. Uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about marriage and, uh, expe- and specifically probably how to get healthy in our sex lives with marriage. So just up front can be triggering some of the stuff I talk about. Um, if you, if your sex life is unhealthy or if it's in a situation where it's struggling, um, I'm going to talk really general in generalities. I'm probably not too specific today. Um, I want to have a guest on and talk about this in detail. Um, but so anyway, we'll go with it. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about just marriage and love and, um, just all the things that we thought, we were going to be getting into when we got married and how, man, you just, um, you have no clue what you're doing. And one of the analogies I used was, you know, a lot of times when we get one, we don't have any, um, in this culture, there's not really any dating, right? There's not really any, um, understanding of, do we date? How do we date? Do we date to married? All those kind of things. And so it's, it's kind of a mess. And I think one of the problems that we do when we teach kids and, and we learn to date, in the way that we do is, is it's like we date somebody, <clears throat> we spend some time with them and then we go, well, they're not what I want. They're not what, what I need. They don't give me what I want and need. And then, so I move on. And if we do that way too much, then we get married with the same kind of mentality. We get married going, I'm going to, I'm going to work with this. I'm going to, you know, spend time with this person. And then, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can just get divorced. And that's the culture we live in. Um, I'm not saying that's the church culture and I'm not saying that's, you know, the belief of the Bible, obviously, but it tends to be, um, in the movies we watch and the, um, stories we read and the, um, porn that people watch, it's all transactional and it's all, if this thing makes me happy and this thing makes me feel good, then 
I'll stick with it in the moment that it doesn't, I'm out. Um, <clears throat> now, some of you are listening and being like, but you don't know what my husband did or you don't know what my wife did. And, and that's probably true. Um, there are things that absolutely end in divorce for the right reasons. Um, <clears throat> but I say all that because I think one of the analogies I wanted to use that I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or what, but the other day we were, I was with a client and we were talking about marriage and Christian marriage and, and we were talking about divorce and whether we should divorce or conflict or, you know, well, and so many of our stories start with this. So we imagine we have this kind of cup or this chalice, right? And, and when we date somebody and we hook up and we, you know, make out, we have sex, we go on a date and we end the night hooking up and having sex or doing something sexual, it ends in, um, let's face it, orgasm most likely, but it ends in a, in a high. And we do that for years and years, and then we might move in together, and we might spend time together, and we have some more sex, and, you know, that's kind of how, the, how we end all the nights. You know, the dates are ending in sex, ending in some kind of making out, some kind of sexual content, some kind of something that ends with a high, a dopamine high. And that, that dopamine and that sex is there to connect us and, and give us intimacy, but, but it also not within the confines of a safe, secure relationship can be majorly problematic. And so we do this and we do this and we go, man, I love this person, right? I love this person and they're the right one for me and they make me feel safe and they, they make me feel wanted and desired. Um, but so many times it's because of the sex, it's because of the, the connection and that overcompensates all of the things that we haven't dealt with and don't even know we have to deal with because well, let's face it, we're, we're getting off, we're having an orgasm, we're, we're feeling this huge rush of emotions and, and um, endorphins. And and again, those things are good. But when we're dating, and that's the only thing that we're doing, or that's the way we're ending it, then it's so easy to look over somebody's problems. It's so easy to look over issues. It's so easy to move past conflict and family trauma and family history and previous sexual partners and pornography and what we're doing. Because man, that connection those moments at the end of the night are so good and so huge and so big that they they overshadow all the things that we have to deal with and so we we go oh my gosh I love this person my cup is full right I I want to be with this person more than anything they excite me they they make me happy they they love me they validate me they you know they do these things to me that nobody else does blah 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 and there's this uh, parable that I love and it's this rabbi it's this jewish rabbi and he's walking down the street and he sees this man and he has uh fish and he caught he's fishing on in this pond and he says hey um oh i see you you got the fish huh and he says yeah the, the guy says i love fish and the rabbi says you know most love in the world is fish love it's what can that thing do for me i see the fish i like fish so i catch it i kill it and i eat it because it tastes good to me it gives me nutrients makes me feel good and a lot of love and in, in Disney and movies and novels in the world is fish love it's what can what can this do thing do for me what can this person do for me to make me to complete me right Jerry Maguire you complete me if you're if you're old enough to know what that is um, and that's that's what we're taught and we we leave our families and we we're like man I didn't get this from my dad I didn't get this from my mom I didn't get this from my ex-boyfriend and so I need it from this person in order for me to be complete and be fulfilled and and so we do we date and we have sex and we connect and we do all these things and um and man our cup is full right and so once our cup is full if it's full enough it's this chalice is full enough with love 
which I would not, I wouldn't call it love, but with lust, with like, with what this thing does for me, we get married and we stand before God and we stand before our families and we go, our cup is full and it couldn't be any fuller. I couldn't love this person anymore. It's amazing. Um, gosh, I do, right? I commit to these things, better, worse, sickness, health. And then first year of marriage, right? It's usually pretty good, maybe not. Second year, it's like the cup starts to slosh around and, and some of that love starts to fall out and pour out of the sides. And we have some kids, we have some conflict, we have some sickness, we have life happen and more falls out. And we start going, man, I need, what do I need to, I need to keep this going, you know? more falls out more and eventually right there's quote unquote nothing in the cup or the cup is half full and we're looking at our partner going why aren't you doing your job why aren't you doing your part in this marriage to keep this cup full um and the problem is is that marriage isn't ending every night in sex it's not ending every night in a high it's not ending every day and what that person can do for me it's ending in and having to serve and having to mostly right? Especially with children, serve each other, lead, sacrifice without really anything in return and without anything, quote unquote, filling the cup up. And so what I was reminded was just as a Christian, marriage is about Christ and the church. Marriage is about service. Love is about service. Love is about what can I do for this thing? What can I do for this person? How can I show up bearing the full image of God to this other person and and how can that this relationship sharpen me and sanctify me and and bring me closer to Jesus. And we say those things, but do we really know what that means? Do we are we really living as if that's true? Or are we living as if man, this person's not meeting my needs, they're not giving me what I want. And again, obviously on a on a spectrum. There's some, you know, there's some things that are abusive and toxic and outside of the spectrum um that need to be addressed, but Within that spectrum of health, we all know if we're married that you don't keep all the good ooey gooey feelings all the time and all the sex isn't happening all the time. And and so I'd like to think about it. I'd like to, us to think about what if love, what if marriage, <clears throat> right? What if the chalice starts when you get married empty? What if we teach our kids and learn ourselves that without the Holy Spirit and without a, a vision of being the bride in the church that our cup starts with just a little drop of self selflessness that Jesus has given us, that the Holy Spirit has given us. And that over the course of 30 or 40 or 50 years, that by the end of it, we hope to fill that cup up with a type of love that reflects Christ in the church. That we, through pain and suffering and heartache and selfishness and through the mirror that our spouse is for us and through the sanctification process, that by the end, at the end of 50 years, we're like, man, our marriage looks more like Jesus. I know more about Christ. I feel more sanctified. I feel more holy. I feel more righteous because of all the suffering and pain that produced all this fruit. Then thinking about it as if we start out full and because of life, it gets empty. And so I, I'm working on that in my own marriage. You know, I've been married 12 years and my wife is amazing and awesome, but we got our issues. And we're in therapy working through some of those right now. And we'll have a good season after this, and then we'll have some more issues. And, you know, we have a five- and eight-year-old, and we're in, this, we're in the thick of it with busyness, and, and we're just now seeing the light on not having to wipe butts and change diapers and constantly be, you know, 
at their beck and call. They they can go outside and play. They can give us some time. They they have friends, right? They we're just now in that in that window of like, oh my gosh, we're getting some we're getting a breather. And I know teenagers are coming up, and then we're gonna go right back to worrying about things, stressing about things, being on top of things, and so. Right, I'm, I'm trying really hard to look at this marriage as 50 years. And we've had some really good seasons and we have some hard seasons. And, and I hope that by the end of it, we look back over it and it's not about us, but it's about Christ. It's about how we have impacted the kingdom of God for his glory and for his good. And, and that may seem cheesy Christianity, but the reality is, is that's what's true. And we cannot do any of it without the Holy Spirit, without, not, without being centered in prayer without not being centered in the Word, the Word being the Spirit of God. And reading our Scripture and, and starting going, am I, am I producing in my marriage and in my spouse the fruits of the Spirit? It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's all of them. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And we don't just get to pick. We don't get to just be self have self-control or kindness or gentleness, joy, peace we, we it's all of them if you have the spirit all of them are coming out in your marriage and so we have to work really hard to lean into that and to humble ourselves because that's really all we can do that's the only work we can do is to humble ourselves and and go I don't have it in me and so many times in marriage I know I find myself I want I want affirmation for doing the dishes or I want affirmation for stepping up stepping up and, and doing what I would say on paper is my job and I go, oh, well, I, you know, maybe other husbands don't do this. Or she says, maybe other wives don't do this. Aren't you thankful? And it's like, what's the right thing to do? Because it's good for you too. And the only reason you're able to do it is by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit anyway. So are you really getting credit for going above and beyond? Or are you focused on being thankful that the Holy Spirit dwells in you and is capable of overcoming your fleshly selfishness? Then I'm going to be honest, so many times I want the credit. You know, we, we go, oh, I was really patient with the kids this week. And maybe for six, seven days, I was just so calm and so patient. And the greater Jude does something and I go to get irritated and, and JC goes, hey, babe, you know, you know, watch your tone or, you know, you, you, you need to go back in there and make up. And I'm like, I'm so annoyed that she doesn't notice the seven days before that. As if I did that on my own, as if I was capable of being, I was so patient. It's like, no. By the grace of God, I was really able to be patient those seven days. And right now I'm in my flesh. And so that's why I'm acting like me. I'm acting like who Clint is really deep down underneath all the sin and brokenness. And and man, the humility that it takes to get there is only again by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't even be that humble. And so as you think about your marriage today and you think about where you're at, all of us are a mess to some degree or another. We're all in that spectrum. So I just wanted us to refocus a little bit on the foundations of why these things don't necessarily go the way we want them when we get in conflict. Now, I said we're going to talk about sex because I think that's something that as a, I'm a CSAT certified sex addiction therapist, I work with this all the time. Um, I'm doing a lot of talks on prevention in children from being uh, abused and, and from being exposed to content they shouldn't be exposed to so that they can go on to have good identities and sexuality about their bodies, about other people's bodies. I work with couples all the time who are having unhealthy expectations, pornography, affairs. And it always comes back down to kind of their origin story. What are the things you were exposed to and you saw 
And so the first thing I'd like to talk about with that is that we must understand in our marriages that we all have a past that informs our view of sexuality. Every one of us. And if we haven't stopped to realize that and connect the dots, then things are going on in our sex life and in our connection life and our intimacy that's dysfunctional and that's toxic because it's based on these early experiences and these early narratives that tell us about our bodies and about our spouse's bodies and what sex is for and why it's good and why it's not and all these things. And the church mostly has been out of this conversation. You know, we had the purity culture for a while and we talk about that, that God wants purity. And here's the deal. The only purity is, is Christ. All of us have sexual dysfunction and, and things we need to grow in and, and healthy boundaries we need to figure out. But we, a lot of times, just live as if it's supposed to just work because we're doing the mechanics of it. And so we got to stop and go, okay, let me, let me stop for a moment and let me think about what I learned about sexuality. What did I learn about consent? What did I learn about desire and want and all these things? The other point that's, that's common is, is like when people come to therapy, they, they want to know like what's normal and a normal right is out the window. Every couple is different when it comes to sexuality, frequency, duration, comfort level, all of those things are variables depending on your experience and your past. And so you can't measure yourself, which is where we get in a lot of, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. And when we talk to our friends or our spouses or we read books and we go, okay, this is what's normal, this is what's healthy, we're way away from that, or they're doing this and so we should be doing that, it gets real messy because nobody is you. Nobody has your history and your trauma and your view and your parents. And so we don't go back and talk about that if we don't learn from our spouse, like, hey, what did you learn about this? What did you think about this? Let's go back and, you know, maybe you've been married 15, 20 years, and let's go back to our early dating time and go, did we ever really repair a lot of this damage that was done? You know, I felt kind of used early on, or I felt kind of, I didn't really want to do some of the things we did, but I did it, and then we got married, and, you know, it didn't happen, and I felt lied to about these things, or, um, man, I had a lot of sex, or I had a lot of inappropriate relationships before, and so... um, I never dealt with that. I never went to therapy for that. I never healed from that. I just thought I could move on into marriage and all that stuff would go away and it's still here. And it's affecting how often we do it. It's affecting the way we do it. One of the things I tell teenagers all the time when I work with them or talk in a group, I say, you know, a mature sexual relationship is the one that you can talk about it before, you can talk about it during, and you can talk about it after. And so we as adults, as Christians, we've got to, you got to think about that. Like, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to engage in this thing? Do you want to try this? And then during, do you like this? Is this safe? Do you feel good? Are you okay? And then after, how was that? And, and not in a, how was that? You know, was that good for you? You know, not that mentality, but more of a genuine, sincere, did you feel safe? Did I, did I make you feel safe? Did you enjoy that? Did you get anything out of that? Right again, not from an egotistical place, but a a genuine searching concern. And a lot of us need to take a pause and and have these conversations and slow down and go back to heal. But a lot of us are scared to say we don't like things or ask for what we need or set boundaries because 
Sex has become the idol. It's the only way we know how to have intimacy and connection. And if we lose that, we lose everything. And everything's on the precipice or on the nice edge. Or it's something we gave up a long time ago. And we do it once a month when the when the stars align or when somebody finally has enough and begs for it or when you do it because you feel like the person's going to cheat or go look at something they shouldn't or whatever just really dysfunctional way that it works out. But again, we, we have to open our mouths and talk. Sex has to be in marriage about intimacy and not about just pleasure. And we've talked about this before on the podcast with sex addiction, but our whole culture has taught us that sexuality is all about the most pleasure, what can feel the best. And many of us, because of trauma and neglect, have experienced pornography, masturbation, same same-sex touch with children, children play, all kinds of things before puberty that have wired us neurologically and chemically to think about pleasure first and not intimacy and safety. And so we compromise because the pleasure can over overcompensate the intimacy. But we're left feeling hollow and empty and we, and we cycle through these things. And so in our marriages, we have to realize that I'm going to talk as a man, like we got to figure out the, how do we date our wife? How do we be intimate with our wife without the physical part? The physical will come and it'll be great, but we have to learn to be intimate first, to have conversations, to look in the eye, to to take the time, to be able to just lay in in the bed together and just talk without it leading to something, to create a space of safety. And for the partner, I'm going to say partner because it, it goes both ways, guys. Like it, it, it could be men that are pursuing and that always want the sex. And just as many couples I see, the husband is tired from work, checked out, doesn't want it, and the wife's pursuing them. So it, it, it typically becomes a male-female thing. We laugh and we make jokes about that, and, and maybe statistically it is more one than the other. But what I see is it, it can be either way. And so if you're the partner who's all, always pursuing and not receiving and not initiating – Maybe you need to create safety and space in your marriage to where the person can feel like it's not always going to lead to that. And I know what you're going to say or thinking like, but it never happens. And so I'm, you know, I want it. I'm desperate for that connection. I'm desperate for that touch. And then I overcompensate. And it's a cycle, right? So you got the other side of the person who, who's not really initiating, who feels unsafe deep down. They don't really know it, but they don't feel like they have a choice and so they're constantly feeling rigid and rejected and turned off. People say, oh, well, I just don't really like it. I don't really want it. And it's like, well, that's an emotional issue. There's something deep down in there that's detached that you don't feel safe. And so we need to take a break and go, hey, listen, I need some space to figure this out. And then once we figure it out, we, there needs to be reciprocation, right? Back and forth. But so many times this there's this pursue withdrawal thing happening where the, the spouse feels like they have to do it and then they give in and do it and they don't dislike it, but it's not really what they wanted to do. And there's never space for them to want to because there's this dance that's constantly going around and around. Which brings us to that word consent. And consent, right, there's a again a spectrum. It doesn't mean that um, if you go up behind your spouse and touch them or rub their back or, you know, do something that you're doing something abusive. But we're talking about a pattern in which people don't feel like they have a choice. 
they don't feel like they can be in their body and, and express what they want or they, they desire without there being rejection or disappointment or anger. And again, most of this is pattern behavior. It's happened over time and it's, it's us going, well, I know, you know, I know what I'm going to get, or it's us going, oh, I know I'm going to be rejected or it's us going, you know, I can't ask because if I ask, then, you know, it's going to make them do something they don't want to do, which nobody wants to do. So it's all a mess. So if this is accurate, if this is landing on like kind of what your experience is, maybe you guys need to take a season of respite, you know, four or five days a week where you just agree, hey, we're going to pay attention to what the other person needs first in hopes that it brings safety and security and in hopes that it brings desire for our spouses back up. Instead of just running through the routine and, and, and being in a toxic cycle that we don't even realize we're in because we've never even stopped to think about it. I think uh, I'm going to speak to two sides from what I see a lot in, in, in sessions and what I hear in the culture and listen to on other podcasts and books and all those things. I'm going to talk about some common issues that I think we might not be aware of as a spouse. So if you're a wife thinking about her husband or boyfriend or whatever partner, um, a lot of men and men, if you're listening to this and you've never dealt with your issues, think about it this way. A lot of us deal with, you know, a history of pornography and a history of sexuality in movies and in film that's just not accurate. That's just not real. And you might say, yeah, yeah, I know that, Clint. I've experienced it and it's not real. But in our subconscious, deep down, we think that it should be. And we think that if we're just with the right person, if the person loves us enough or they desire us enough or we were attractive enough or in enough shape, sex would go a certain way. It would be a certain style. It would be a certain length. It would be common. And a lot of that is because of the narrative that our education and our experience with pornography and sexual content has taught us. The second is because we're labeled as the porn consumers and the horn dogs and the pursuers lots of times as men, there's deep shame around sexuality. A lot of times the first time we, somebody ever even talked to us about our bodies or about an erection or about masturbation or about porn, there was laughter, there was jokes, there was disgust. And so deep shame is, is down underneath this. And so everything that has to do with sexuality, there's this shameful feeling. There's this, you want more than you deserve. You want extra. You, you want this thing and it's gross and you're just horny and you're just this. When in reality, we're made to connect that way as men, to touch and to have physicality and to have intimacy. The other is just biology of, of uh masturbation being a thing, erections being a thing that you, you start to have very young that aren't quote unquote sexual, that are just developmental, but without discipleship and without parents that walk you through it, they become sexual and they start to be treated as sexual even before puberty in a way that wires us to again, think only about pleasure. And so we don't know what we think about it, but all of it's in the category of disgusting and so that leads us to when we finally have sex with a partner or we want to watch pornography or whatever, it's all in the same category. It's all this kind of escapism. I'm finally getting what I want. And I don't even want to think about if it's good or bad. And we're kind of checked out from the moment. And we certainly aren't able to be intimate and be connected. And then as men, we have this, this toxic masculinity that's, that's come in. And listen, I'm not talking about masculinity being bad. Masculinity is great. 
God had made us to be men to be a certain way to protect our homes, to protect our families. But there is toxic masculinity. And some of that saying things like, don't be a sissy. Don't cry. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Those things we have heard our whole lives. And sex has so much more to do with intimacy and emotions and feelings. But because we don't know how to have true feelings in general outside of a sexual situation, all we know is the physicality of it. And we get our needs met and we meet needs only physically in sex. And so we as men have to work together to be honest, to be radically honest with each other that we do desire touch and we do desire warmth and we do desire to be nurtured and taken care of. And then that's not wrong. It's it. You, you need it for the rest of your life. You needed it from your mother and you need it from your spouse. Now we can go into little boy psychology where we need it too much and we're hanging our head and, and, you know, dragging our feet and all of those things. But so much of what we've learned from, from toxic masculinity has totally damaged our view of ourselves and our sexuality. Because the last thing that I'll say is we don't have very many healthy models for it. In our culture, there's this, you know, talking about this today, it's like there's these conversations just aren't had often enough and are common enough and from healthy men. And I'm not claiming to be the perfect model of health. I've got plenty of things I'm, I work on in therapy and that I talk to my peers about and that, that we're dealing with in my marriage because none of us have it right. None of us have it perfect. But the goal is to constantly be giving it to Jesus, laying it at his feet, and begging him to use the Holy Spirit to refine us and shape us and get rid of our pride and our ego and our coping and turn it into something that is beautiful and glorifying to him. So if you're a, a wife or a spouse and you have a man in your life, like these are some of the things they're dealing with they may not ever talk about. But they have to. And before you get into marriage or before you get into healthy sexuality with your spouse, these are things you need to know because they're all lies. And underneath all that content that I talked about are, are words that Satan is using to say, you're not worthy, you're not valuable, you're dirty, you're filthy, you're gross. And we perpetuate those in our marriage. And I hear spouses perpetuate it all the time. We make jokes. I see TikTok reels and videos about men and, and we laugh because it's common, but What's happening underneath that is, is shame, is something's wrong with you. And because I don't like it like you like it, you're gross or disgusting or ridiculous. And in our flesh we are. I mean, deep down in our animal instincts, yeah, it's, it's wrong. It's too much and we need to fight that. But in Christ, sexuality is amazing. And passion and desire and seeing our, our spouses as beautiful and attractive and being aroused and turned on by them is a great thing. And so we need nuance. We need to be able to talk about these things and find the nuance and find when it's too much and too little. And, and that takes conversation and relationships. That takes inviting the Holy Spirit into that, which I'll get to in a second. Common issues for women that I've heard all my career. Same thing, shame, right? Loads of shame around menstruation and around bleeding and around these issues of development that are common that literally everyone goes through, but because we don't talk about it as children and because we don't 
have healthy role models and parents that talk about it, they become, again, these really unhealthy views of ourselves and our bodies. The whole culture around women and their bodies and their body shape and their body types and models and swimsuits and bikinis and all the things that go into that, which aren't in and of themselves bad, but it's the culture that says you have to look a certain way and be a certain way. It brings shame. It brings dysfunction. Because half of our culture comes from a divorce family, especially for little girls, having a father that's absent or a father that's not in tune with that little girl leads to a lot more sexual acting out, dysfunction. The research shows that there's a lot more promiscuity because of not knowing who they are and not knowing the, a proper way in which a man should treat a little girl, treat a woman. And then they have these other boys who are not taken care of, who are not educated, who then abuse them and take advantage of them. And earlier than earlier and all earlier on, this happens, which shapes their whole view of sexuality, their body, other people. And a lot of times we go through sexual trauma that we don't call sexual trauma because it's just what's going on for every girl around them. And you're sharing stories and you're like, yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, that happened to me. Well, I didn't say no. And we don't label it what it is. We don't label that it's a rape or that it's abuse or that it's an attack. And listen, truth, two truths can happen at the same time. You can have a, a boy who's an idiot and who doesn't know any better and who wasn't educated, and he can also extremely violate someone. And we as a culture still haven't figured out how to deal with those two things and, and find a healthy way of having these conversations and finding restoration and repair for both parties. We want to see people as monsters, and sometimes people are. But more times than not, they're just hurt, broken people who haven't been protected themselves and have been victimized and have been neglected and not been educated. And we put kids in a room together unsupervised, and we, we set them up for failure in dating, and they don't get discipleship, and, and really bad things happen. And then we involve alcohol and drugs and you know repetition, and it is just a mess. And women and children tend to be the ones who suffer the most when there's unhealth and when there's toxicity in these areas. The other thing we, we tend to do is, is for women especially, um, sex, sex is dirty and you're not supposed to like it. Of course, boys like it. You know, they can sleep, kiss, you know, they can sleep with five people a week and they're a stud and a girl kisses two guys and she's a slut because it's dirty and you're not supposed to like it and you're not supposed to be aroused or want to do it. When in both, in both side, sides, it's just on a, the opposite end of the spectrums and the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, lastly, it's just like we talked about the sexual trauma of sexuality. And the unique difference is, is that in at least a heterosexual relationship, sex is usually happening to the woman versus having, having it happen together. And just the sheer physicality of it, it's that way. And so it's very unsafe, can feel, feel very violating and feel very safe just from the basic biology of the situation. And so how much more sensitive and serving do we need to be as husbands and as men to that more aware, more sensitive, more gentle, more kind? And so women deal with that. So if you're a man and you're out there and you, you, you want connected, intimate sexuality with your wife, we've got to be gentle. We've got to be kind. We've got to ask questions. We've got to take time. We've got to work outside of the bedroom to show love and affection and safety before trying to jump right to the thing. 
and you can just see the cycle as I talk about this. You can see the problems in the homes and the, the ways in which we set ourselves up for failure because we don't know, we don't have support or man, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to be honest about it because we don't want to feel that shame we already feel. We don't want to go to another couple and say, hey, we're really struggling in this area. Can you pray for us? Can you give us some insight? And most likely what's going to happen, they're going to say, yeah, oh yeah, we struggle with that too. Or we did struggle with that. Or they're going to struggle with that at some point. And this is over the entire 50 years of the marriage. It's going to change. The struggles that you're going to have in sexuality for men and women are going to be different depending on the stage of life we're in. And not everybody's going to have that same struggle in the same stage. But as a whole, if we do this as a community and talk about it and deal with it, we can support one another. We can heal. Sex is an emotional, spiritual, and physical thing. And you can't set one apart without the others. When you just make it emotional, when you just make it all about how you feel, and you take away the spiritual meaning and the physical act, are you you're setting yourself up for failure when you when you just make it a religious thing, right? It's just an act that's religious that you can do or you can't do, and you don't take in the emotional and the physical, it's a problem. When you just make it a physical act, which these days everybody acts like is okay, or a lot of people do, like, oh, yeah, I can just have sex, and it doesn't have to have any emotional connection. Either you're super disassociated already, or you're disassociating during, but there's no way you can take your feelings out of it. That's just science. This is biology. It doesn't make any sense. And from a scientific standpoint outside of religion, it doesn't make any sense for you to put yourself in the most vulnerable position ever with another human being and be able to do that with a complete stranger. We won't even walk down the side of the street with you know another stranger, but we're going to have sex with somebody that we have don't know nothing about. We're going to go home from a bar and let ourselves be completely vulnerable. If we can literally do that, scientifically something is turned off something is wrong something is not in tune with your safety and your security and your value of yourself or your value of that other person and so we've got to learn as a as a christian couple to to mold these things together to make it emotional and spiritual and physical all at the same time and that will lead to pleasure that will lead to amazing connection and sexuality and all of these things but it, it's not going to do it overnight And so how do we get there? Well, the, the cornerstone for all these things is to humble ourselves and pray. And pray for God to come into our marriage and connect with us and connect with our spouse. One of the things I talked about a couple of weeks ago was um, with some a marriage group that I went and talked at was, you know, if you have stressors in your sex life, if you have stressors finding intimacy, Pray about it. If you're if you're Christ followers, pray before you have sex. Pray during sex. Pray after sex. And if that makes you cringe or extremely uncomfortable, then that speaks to the problem. Because sex is a form of worship. It's not a separate dirty thing. We can't, as Christians, have this worship. We sing songs to God. We, we, we love God. We see Him as holy. We invite Him into these issues and these moments. And then we go, but not sex. That's a separate thing because it's just pure, what? Physicality, eroticism, arousal. Like, 
God gave us those things. And if we don't invite him into the process, they're going to get toxic and broken. And so that's a challenge that I have for us in our lives and in our intimacy. And again, I'm not covering the gamut of all sexual issues or dis- dysfunction today. I'm just bringing up some of the highlights that I've been seeing and been talking about recently um, that I think people don't talk about. I hope some of this is helpful. I hope that it brings up good discussion. If there's some of you that are out there listening and you're a male or a female and you're triggered a little bit and you're like, you know, you're, all your trauma's coming up and there's something that I'm saying that is bringing irritation or, but you don't understand because X, Y, Z, I'm sure that's true. I'm not in your situation. This is not a everybody one size fits all podcast episode. This is just a, here's what I hear that's common a lot of times. And here are the things that I see that are coming up that we're not getting in premarital counseling. We're not getting the first year of marriage. We're not willing to unpack and see what's common. And again, common's not healthy, right? Normal's not healthy. Just because something's normal and most of us go through it doesn't mean we have to keep staying that way. And so I hope that this podcast, even though it can be heavy because sexuality, there's like we said, there's so much trauma, there's so much brokenness in it, there's so much anger and frustration. But ask yourself, what what why is it so much that way? And what do I what can I do? What what do I need to do to invite God into this conversation and into this healing journey? Do I need to go to therapy? Do we need to go to counseling? Do I need to deal with my own self first before I even broach this to my husband or my wife? Can we take a, a respite from the physical act and, and deal with some of the emotional part and the spiritual part? You know, what are those three things are lacking? Is it the emotional connection? Is it the physical connection? Is it the spiritual? They can be both. If you're withholding for your spouse, withholding from your spouse with no good reason, or you're not insightful about that reason, we got to figure that out. If you're pursuing your spouse only because you have a need and you're not finding out why that spouse is resistant or why they're, they're struggling or why they don't want to and you can't talk about it, then we need some individual unpacking and we need some couple unpacking. We need to do some work around it because it's not going to get better just by doing it. And it's not going to get better just by withholding it. It's only going to get more toxic and more unhealthy as the years go on. And resentment builds. And that's when pornography and affairs and all these things start to get involved. And then that just magnifies the problem. We have to see the other person in our life, the other spouse in our life is um, broken, in need of a savior, in need of healing. We have to be willing to, if it's in the spectrum of not being extremely abusive and abusive and toxic we have to be willing to serve that person and love that person and if we can take a year or so if we can take six months if we can take three months and really invest in our sex life in our marriage in our intimacy more than anything then maybe we can have another 50 years or 40 years or 30 years of healthy sexuality in our marriage but we, what we do is, is we put it off and we just try to get by. 
and we can get by, we can push it down, we can kick the can down the road, but at some point we're going to have to deal with it. And so I hope some of this today helps you to just think through some of this stuff that's common, that's what many couples are dealing with. And I hope that it moves you to get some help and reach out and realize you're not alone. Even the healthiest people on earth have to deal with some of this stuff throughout their marriage and throughout 50 years of trying to love each other well and trying to fill that cup up. And I hope that those of you that are out there that have your cup filled up and that you have a great marriage that you can put yourself in situations with young couples and you know couples that have been married 30 years that just nobody's talking about this stuff. You know, if you're at a church, get in a marriage group. Start a marriage group. Help support other couples because our marriages are the cornerstone of all the rest of it. And if we don't spend some time repairing and working on this area, then our kids are going to see it, our kids are going to experience it, and they're going to think that's the way it is, and then the cycle continues. But we have the opportunity to stop that cycle and invite Christ and the Holy Spirit into that cycle and only he can change things. So I hope you have a good week. Thank you for listening. Um, if you need something, reach out, shoot us an email. If you have questions, comments about this episode, I'd love to hear them. Um, God bless you guys and have a good week.